Coming at you from the Steel City, you're listening to Poor Man's Podcast, Pittsburgh's premier comedy podcast. Your weekly dose of humor hosted by Chris Hopper and with a new special guest each week. And here's your host, Chris Hopper. Woo! Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Poor Man's Podcast Sports Extra with Sports Guy JP. Sports Guy JP, how are you this week? I'm doing all right. How how are you done? I'm not too bad. Um, all things considered, we uh, I opened up NFL Network just uh, or NFL Network NFL.com so I could look at some of the the standings and the schedules coming up. And we have breaking news, JP. It appears as though Robert Quinn from the Bears was traded to the Philadelphia Eagles for a fourth round draft pick, just in time for Steeler Week too. Oh yeah, I saw that. Eagles coming off a bye. We'll we'll uh we'll talk about that game very shortly. But uh let's uh let's recap a uh, Steelers loss in Miami. Yeah, so um say the Steelers underwhelmed in this game was to say the least, but it was expected. I actually had a conversation with someone the the very day um before the Sunday night game. And they asked about my opinion on it. And I said, well, I think that they'll keep it within a seven-point spread. I think that the Steelers will have opportunity to capitalize and take the lead. And the offense just won't take advantage of it. And ironically enough, that's exactly what I saw on Sunday. Yeah, they. Uh, I, I thought with, what, like four minutes? Did they have – they were within six or seven points. What was it, JP? Was it six points? Because if yeah, they six. if they would have kicked the field goal, they would have been up by two possessions. Yeah, Miami scored us uh, sixteen points all in the first half, thirteen in the first quarter, as a matter of fact. Yeah. So had they done that, it would have been a two possession game. But the Steelers went down, didn't score. I can't remember what stopped it on the second to last one, but they ended up punting. Uh, Miami uh, wasn't able to do anything. Steelers get the ball back, drive down, and then, as we know, the Kenny Pickett interception to seal the to seal the deal for uh, the Dolphins. Yeah, and the Dolphins came out to this one firing, um, averaging nine yards per play on their first 15 plays and scoring 13 first-quarter points. It looked like it was going to be a beatdown of Tua coming back, finding those speedy receivers and Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, and it looked like it was just going to get out of hand from the get-go, but... Steelers D really buckled up for the second half. Um, they dropped four interceptions, which, you know, it, it, it's not like I don't want to talk poorly about the defense for holding them to 16 points, but I think if they would have caught a couple of those interceptions, the field possession alone would have put the offense in a better position to put up more points. But at the end of the day, um, you know, you, you got to put up more than just 10 points if you want to win in the NFL. Yeah, definitely. It seemed like they they did a relatively decent job on Tyreek Hill. Yeah, and I, I was surprised, um, honestly, because like I said from the beginning, it looked like it could have gotten out of hand super quickly. Um, Tyreek Hill, they they held him to under a hundred yards. It was a uh, seventy-two, but I mean, he wasn't as like impactful. What the Steelers did really well was 
their approach wasn't so much about covering Hill as much as it was tackling him on first contact. Mm -hmm. And when Hill was um, catching the drag routes, they were bringing him down immediately, not letting him get yards after the catch. What was your overall takeaway of uh, the Steelers' play, I guess? Like I said, it's underwhelming. Their offense, there's no fire um, under them. Defense did a good job at holding the Dolphins to uh, 16 points, but they had no turnovers. Um, I I didn't even think they sacked Tua a single time. Yeah, yeah, Tua was – yeah, he didn't even get sacked. Um, So there wasn't any big plays from the defense, but holding an opponent to 16 points should get you a win most of the time. Offense just didn't perform. Um, Kenny Pickett actually went 27 of 30 of passes under 10 yards. He attempted 30 balls under 10 yards. That's insane. And then 5 of 14 on every other ball after. He really is. He's throwing the ball a lot um, for, you know, somebody just starting out. Like, you would think that they would try to keep the, the throws to a minimum and maybe run the ball a little bit more, but they've had no success running the ball. So they do this. I don't understand the, the passing game that the Canada offense is. Uh, they just go outside, and I don't see anything more than three or four yards. Yeah, they just run all these um, sh- short hooks or outside looks, outs, you know, getting to the sideline. It's not an efficient way of moving the football. It looks like they're looking to extend the run game, so to speak, with short passes, and it's not being effective. Um, receivers aren't just aren't getting open downfield or they're not calling plays down the field. Um, they can't run the ball. Um, you know, Najee Harris has had an underwhelming year. Even these end reverses that they see in jet sweeps, they seem to be forcing. You're just not getting, you know, you know, you're not putting points on the board. You're not getting the ball downfield. And then when in the past game, you're just running all these underneath things that honestly, even if the receivers are catching the ball, they're going three and out like pretty consistently. Yeah. It seems like they keep doing the same thing and expecting different results. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I see that same thing. As a matter of fact, Steelers um, are actually dead last in the NFL in yards per play this year and 30th in yards per game. Yeah, it's an abysmal offense for sure. Uh, JP. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. oh, sorry. No, uh, the de- the delay messed us up again. What were you saying? <laughs> I was just going to briefly say the only offensive explosion they had was um, two weeks ago when Trubisky came in relief for Peggett. And um, th- th- that's all I've seen. That's the best I've seen their offense look. But I don't see a reason to go back to Trubisky. I'd, I'd stick with Peggett, but... Man, it's just it's a disaster all across the board. I don't know if it's offensive line that's just making everything collapse, but I don't want to put the sole blame just on Pickett or just on Canada or just on the line. I think it really is a collective effort, and no one really seems to be standing up. Uh, George Pickens makes great plays, but he's not getting targeted. Um, right. Chase Claypool's having had a good week a couple weeks ago against Tampa, but it seems like he's not targeted much in the past game either. It's all Deontay Johnson, Pat Fryermuth, and then and they're all I mean, sideline no threats. The, I don't. There's never anything between the hashes and barely between the numbers. Yeah, and I, I don't like whatever happened to like Steeler football, where you're supposed to be the more physical team, 
they're not tougher than anybody. They can't run the ball. They can't block. They can't play defense. They're not doing anything well outside of Micah Fitzpatrick, it seems like, all season. It is. It's it's like a bunch of like third graders going against like the fifth graders, and they're just playing conservative. Like, let's just not turn the ball over and just throw it out of bounds, and then we'll be so far behind that we're going to be forced to throw it and then turn it over that way. Uh-huh. And like I said, like sometimes turnover, I know turnovers are never a good thing, but more turnovers from your quarterback generally means um, you're taking more shots downfield. I mean, Matt Stafford led the league in interceptions last year and won the Super Bowl. Josh Allen throws interceptions from here to there. But I mean, th- those are because they're taking shots down the field. The Steelers just aren't doing it and they're still throwing interceptions. Yeah. I, I think the the one bright spot, consistent bright spot, is George Pickens. Every every time his number's called and, and the the ball comes near him, he he, he comes down with. Them. Yeah, and uh, he needs more targets. And honestly, I wouldn't mind J- Jalen Warren getting more reps too, because he's outperforming Najee Harris out of the running back. I agree. I uh, I. Can't say I saw every single play of the Steelers game, but when I saw Warren come in, I can't remember when it was. If it was in the fourth quarter at some point, it was. It was a nice change of pace. He like hit the hole and just—I don't know what it was. It was a burst of energy, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he plays for for a man his size. He really plays up to par. Um, he's kind of built like Austin Eckler. Doesn't obviously not as good, but but built. Kind of like a smaller size back, but is a bruiser and is not afraid of contact. I don't know if Najee's still dealing with um, a couple injuries that he's nursing through or if he's just not finding the hole, holes that the offensive line are struggling to create. But it goes back to what, what I've said for the past couple of years. I didn't necessarily like the Peck pick or the Najee pick. I think Najee's a great player. I just don't like taking running backs, and we're already seeing a decrease in this play in year two. Yeah, for sure. Um Jeez, I can't even remember what I was just about to ask. Um, so what's what's your take overall from the, these wide receivers right now? Uh, there's still, I know there was some talk about Claypool being traded, or at least from his camp that he wanted to. Um, what are your thoughts on Deontay Johnson's play? Uh, we were just talking about George Pickens, but how about the other guys? Uh, it's just exactly what I've seen the past couple ever since like Antonio Brown left and um, uh, Martavis Bryant and Juju, those, that great core, it's just not what it used to be. Um, in my opinion, De- Deontay Johnson is a great route runner, and he gets open downfield. And it, it's just weird to me that he gets more shots downfield than Pickens or Claypool, considering mm-hmm. just the size difference. But I, I don't really see a true number one on this team. I think that Deontay Johnson is technically like the one, but he's better served as, you know, a two or, you know, a very high end two that is. Um, Claypool, I wouldn't mind uh, dealing if someone's willing to offer, I would say, I think you could fetch a second round pick depending on the team. I think he has a lot of intangibles that are great. It's just the offense doesn't really know how to utilize him to his full potential. And if he's on a more pass friendly team, let's say, uh, I've heard rumors of Green Bay, but like, We'll say like anyone that's you know anyone's in the Odell Beckham sweet stakes who doesn't get them maybe they try to make a move for Claypool, and it's going to be those competitive teams Buffalo Kansas City who I think could elevate his play. I just don't really see that happening here in Pittsburgh. All right, is there anything else you'd like to touch on from uh, from Miami? 
I was going to say the Steelers typically don't deal players in the middle of the season either. It's just kind of like the way they do business. So I'd be kind of shocked to see Claypool get moved during the season. They, yeah, they don't do a lot of things. You know, they do the Steelers way. They don't fire coordinators either. Uh, typically, what are your thoughts? Is Mad Canada going to finish this season? I think they'll maintain Canada through the season too. It's just it's an old school way of doing business. It's how the Steelers always have been. They'll, uh, I think the guys they have right now is the guys who will have to finish the year and reassess when the year is over. Yeah, I hope they do reassess. I think most people in Pittsburgh do. Um, next week, the uh, the other Pennsylvania team playing the Steelers, the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles, JP. What are your uh, thoughts going into this game? Is there any chance the Steelers win? Uh, I'm going to take Philly, but the Steelers to cover the spread. It was at nine and a half last I saw. Huge spread for the undefeated Eagles. But I think the Steelers will cover, but I don't see a Steeler victory this week either. Um, Philly's just playing better than anybody. Um, I've been very impressed with the way uh, Jalen Hurts has been this year because there's been a lot of questions about him throughout his, um, honestly, throughout his entire career, whether it was in college or the NFL. Um, but I think that he's going to be a nightmare to contain in the pass and run game. They have great wide receiver, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Garter just coming along as a tight end. Great offensive line to control the line of scrimmage. They really don't have a weak unit anywhere on their team. They had a great draft. And most importantly, uh, next-gen stats from NFL, I saw they did some sort of algorithm where they graded each corner. Number one corner, according to it, was James Bradbury. Number two was Darius Slay. There's no one on this team that's going to be creating separation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, their record speaks for themselves. What are your thoughts on uh, Coach Sirianni? (laughs) Sirianni is, like, funny. Like, I didn't think... He would be a great coach. Like, I was a little hesitant when he was first hired. But he's coming along greatly. I was, you know, impressed last year that Philly got into the playoffs. And now they're 6-0 this year. You can tell the players definitely rally around him. And uh, I I saw him, like, barking on the sidelines a couple weeks ago about, um, I think it was Dallas maybe last week. Uh, One of their players almost body slammed Jason Kelsey. And you could see him yelling at the refs and the guy should be um, kicked out of the game. So I, I, I like the fire he brings each and every week to Philly and honestly I mean you can't argue for results they're uh, the only undefeated team left they score uh, fourth most points per game in the NFL and that's with a team that uh, everyone was kind of hesitant about before the season started yeah uh, I mean obviously they're doing very very well Sirianni reminds me of some guy he looks like a drug dealer at a club or something he has like these (laughs) sunken eyes and like a slight sweat going all the time and kind of like he's up to something yeah he he, he's intense on the side yeah (laughs) intense is about is a more polite way of putting it I guess um (laughs) JP um the Steelers occasionally play up to their opponents just like they play down to a lot of their opponents even though they are kind of the down opponent right now um could you see them maybe upsetting them and well let me um, ask you this if they would upset them how do you think they would have to do it well philly is way more explosive in the first half than they have been in the second half all season and particularly the second quarter they've put up the vast majority of their points then um 
I think the Steelers are going to have to make adjustments at halftime and make sure that the defense is able to maintain the run game specifically. Philly will run the ball pretty much more than anybody outside of um, just a couple teams. Um, Miles Sanders and Jalen Hurts complement each other in the run game incredibly well, which is where the Steelers lack on defense is slowing down the run game. I think if they want to come off a W, they need to force them into throwing situations. And uh, if they have an opportunity and interception, they have to create the turnovers this week. Um, and of course, uh, AJ Brown's, you know, he, he fits like a, like a Debo Samuel type, not in the sense that he's going to line up in the backfield, but he'll run right through you as a wide receiver. And you're going to have to tackle that guy consistently. He's a solid person. He's almost like that DK Metcalf, Julio Jones, like somewhere in between that. Yeah. Ironically, he played at Ole Miss with DK Metcalf at the same time. Oh, did he really? Yeah, just two big boys playing wide out. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that's that would be like a quarterback's dream. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel I like mean, there, there's. I, I'm sure there's multiple teams, but there's like been a couple teams where it's like, oh my god, they have unreal wide receiver talent in college, and they have like a decent college quarterback, like Graham Harrell or somebody. But then, like, uh, you you see, like, it's all with the wide receivers. I think. Uh, was it Oregon State? Maybe had TJ Hushman's or maybe Chad Johnson and I think it was a junior college team had Chad Johnson and Steve Smith on the same team. Oh wow! Yeah, I wasn't aware. Of that. Then then you could look at the dominant teams like the U back in the day, or uh, even just recently LSU Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Um, I was going to say, didn't Ohio State just have two first round picks or early picks for wide receiver? Yeah, yeah. Um, Ohio State, they, they had Olave and uh, Garrett Wilson this year. And then I think next year, they have uh, Jackson Smith something. I don't know, he has a hyphenate last name. He He's like the top-notch wide receiver heading into next year as well. They've had a lot of wideouts come out of Ohio State recently. Michael Thomas, Michael Pittman. Who just came now, from? Uh, next year, Marvin so, Harrison's kid's coming too. Oh, I just saw he made an incredible catch. One of this, it's so crazy. You see all these guys who have kids coming into the league now. You see what, uh, uh, geez, Asante Samuel Jr., uh, uh, Antoine Winfield Jr., uh, what's the other one? Pat Sertan? Pat Sertan, and he, he, yeah. he's the best corner in football, in my opinion, at this point. It's all crazy the- that like they're just as good. And then I believe Joey Porter's kid is a cornerback. I don't know if he's in high yeah. school or college, but he's supposed to be a pretty good prospect. Yeah, he's still at Penn State. Um, he'll come pro this year. And uh, uh, Joe Horn's kid, J.C. Horn's corner for the Panthers as well, who's playing um, incredibly well. There's a lot of great young corners in the past couple of years, which is something we need in the NFL, I think, of such a pass-friendly league. But it, I feel like it really does show, like, it's like the nature and nurture. Like, there's definitely the people who put the work in, but there's definitely something in some genes. Yeah, yeah, I bet there's something sort of genetic. And then putting in the work, like, you know, like Pat Sertain Jr., if he has a question about how to play corner, he had <laughs> right. a great source his entire life to get there. Yeah, but that, that's exactly right. Plus, it, like, you have all the technique down from the youngest age. Uh, I'm sure all they know is discipline, like eating right, uh, working out at some, it's probably all they know. So it's second nature, but like it, it is, it's really cool seeing a second generation of NFL players who are just as good as their dads, or at least on the path to be. Uh, it, it's exciting because they're all, 
all playing at Pro Bowl levels, every single player that we just mentioned. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see uh, what Marvin Harrison's kid can do, too, because he's playing uh, great at Ohio State. Is Marvin Harrison in the Hall of Fame right now? Yeah, he got in a couple years ago. Yeah, I, I thought so. Marvin Harrison's one of those guys who's like an all-time great. He put up great numbers with Peyton Manning, and nobody talks about him. Yeah, Edron James has gotten the Hall of Fame, too. No one talks about him. It's just like he's kind of in that weird. There's just so many great wide receivers that he's not necessarily top five, but, I mean, he, he, he's got to be up there. And, I mean, he had a great quarterback to benefit from. But yeah, I think Marvin well, Harrison – is a better receiver than Edron James was as a running back. Oh, yeah, I, I, I would agree, too. It's just, I, mean, I think that Marvin was just a great wide receiver that was kind of overshadowed by Randy Moss and Terrell Owens, guys that were kind of more outspoken. I was going to say, it has to be outspoken because his numbers were just as good, if not better, with, uh, with uh, Indy. Plus, all those years with Manning, and then he had uh, Reggie Wayne there. Uh, obviously Brandon Stokely, the, the great Brandon Stokely, <laughs> Dallas Clark. Clark. There was just so many options. And then, as we just said, Edron James was on that team. Um, and then, uh, oh, no, this must have been after. Uh, Indy had a lot of those really good receivers. Like, even then, and then after Marvin Harrison retired, they had Reggie Wayne, who was a, a, an absolute beast. Um, and then they had, like, Austin Colley. You remember that? And they had... Uh, Pierre Garçon. Pierre Garçon, yeah. Um, uh, who was their uh, was that Luck was Luck their quarterback directly after Manning? Yeah, he was drafted, and then Manning went to Denver that same yeah. offseason. I remember they had the whole suck for luck campaign. Yeah. <laughs> to, to get back to the the Steelers and uh, Eagles, though, I don't we we drifted a little far from that. Um, I wrote down halftime adjustment struggle because we were you were saying how. A lot of times the Eagles will put up points in the second quarter um, and and then uh, some halftime adjustments. I feel like the Steelers are not a great halftime adjustment team, at least historically. I feel like we see other teams making the adjustments against the Steelers more than we see the Steelers doing something at, at halftime to fix it in the second half. Yeah, and that's what's going to have to come down to it. It's... Uh, honestly, it's kind of a coaching thing and a culture thing. You need to find a way to make these adjustments and find the players to get out and execute it. And, you know, I think a lot of this year for the Steelers, it's just like a talent thing. They're playing teams, and the Steelers just aren't as good. The talent's not there. And I think that's going to be tough for them this week. It's going to be a wake-up call because these corners can play. Um, yeah, the two shutdowns. They got uh, g- good young rookies. And uh, now, like you said, Robert Quinn just came on. He's uh, he's 32, but he has 102 career sacks. We'll see if he's in the lineup at all. I don't know who's going to get pressure on Jalen Hurts yet alone. Actually bring him to the ground. They didn't sack Tua at all. They didn't sack Mac Jones at all when they played. And I think J- Jalen Hurts, the third uh, Bama quarterback out of them. I mean, he's going to be the toughest one to sack out of them. I, I-, I just don't. I, I don't see the Steelers coming away here. At least just a better team. They're a hungrier team. And quite frankly, I just I just don't think the Steelers have the talent that matches up right now. No, I, I don't see them nor, being. Nor do I see, but like most, I, I don't see like, like the willingness to compete from the Steelers end. It looks like, it just kind of looks like that there's no fire under them, that, that they just simply, 
don't want to go out and win football games, it seems like. And it seems like because they can't go out and win football games. Yeah, it seems like, I don't know if, I don't want to say it's an effort thing, but I, I feel like they like to talk the talk more than they like to walk the walk. Yeah, they like to say the standard's the standard, but define what the standard is now because it's, it's not what it used to be. But I also think that they're in the position they are now because Tomlin never had a losing season. Like, I feel like you have to have the ebbs and flows. You have to have the ups and downs. You have to occasionally have that losing season to rebuild your team around. Could you imagine it? I mean, if you're not, and I said this last week, if you're not going to win a Super Bowl or really compete in the playoffs, I'd rather them build some young players to be able to compete in the future. So, like, take some of these offensive linemen. Take something to build around instead of taking a running back in the first round. If you know you're not really going to do anything, what? Did they do that just to make Roethlisberger happy, to give him another target? I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like they really need to build, start from the bottom, build that offensive and defensive line, and then build out from there. But it seems like they're trying to be all sex appeal with these wide receivers and taking a running back in the first round that uh, they kind of lost the core or the the rock in the middle to really build their house on. Yeah, and it all starts, um, you know, at the line of scrimmage. Who's going to control it? And you know, you need these linemen to help open holes and uh, get your quarterbacks protection. I, I was also um, just saying, like this whole Tomlin's never had a losing season sort of thing. Like, everyone criticizes uh, Belichick for his record without Brady because it's been been atrocious. He has a losing record without Brady, and he'll hear that throughout his career. But, like, maybe we need to start looking at Tomlin without the power guys. Like, what's his record without Roethlisberger? What's that going to look like? You know, he had – they were a much more competitive team when they still had the Palomalus and – Aaron Smith's and all of them. It's just now that he's brought in his own guys, I've seen, I mean, Cam Hayward will be in the Hall of Fame, TJ Watts on pace, but he's still young. But outside of those guys, like, it, it, it's really hard to see the, the Tomlin guys. I mean, Antonio Brown was great, but Tomlin let him get away with anything. It seemed like there it just seems like there was no discipline. And uh, I, I think that we really need to start criticizing the bad that comes with Tomlin. There's a lot of good, but there's a lot of bad, too, that I think needs to be addressed. It seems like he, until, like, recently, um, he would hire coordinators, too, that, like, haven't really been that good. He likes to just have more control over everything, I guess. But it's not like he's bringing in these high-powered offensive and defensive coordinators. Like, Carroll Austin and... Are doing that. Yeah. And and I nobody's mean, leaving the the Steelers with a head coaching job. Nobody's doing that. And and the lead, or the year they did have like Munchak, who was a legitimate coach, their offensive line really did a. I mean, he basically polished a tart with that offensive line. Yeah, the offense was great when they had Munchak and uh, Todd Haley. I mean, you you need to get guys there that will challenge you as a head coach to make you a better coach. Um, I, I like to think that Brian Flores could do that, but I mean, we'll see. But um, when you look at these other teams, teams that are successful, it's because of, I mean, they have great coordinators. Look at Buffalo. They're, they're offense coordinators, but I had a coaching job. So did the Rams. Um, but Buffalo also brought in Le- Leslie Frazier, who was a playoff head coach. Like you, you need guys that will challenge you and make you a better coach as well. And I don't know. It seems like the, 
Tomlin tree is not really there. Everyone wants Canada fired. Yeah. I mean, I think it was a bad hire. It is. It's it's a college offense and maybe not even a college offense anymore. It like after watching a Steeler game, watching it any other game, like the Steelers offense is is unique because it's just like I would like almost laugh at it. It's so bad. And like it works occasionally, but when it works, it's usually breaking from what what the game plan is. It's the it's a hurry up offense kind of thing. It's like the old guy that tries to be cool, so he like adapts to what's new in today's <laughs> world, but it's not working because you don't know how it works. It just seems like they're implementing these jet sweeps and hurry ups, and it's like it, it just it looks bad. Like doing something creative like that, I feel like you're at more risk of a uh, false start penalty rather than a play that gains anything, or uh, multiple men in motion penalty or whatever, right? What was that? Uh, yeah, illegal shift. Yeah, and it's it's just like no, like stick to what works. That's why the Giants are five and one and running directly through Saquon Barkley. You know, like you gotta find what works, and the Steelers don't know what works because nothing has worked. But like, I I feel like okay, let's just scrap some stuff. Let's try something new. Like, what do they have to lose right now? Just just I, like I really don't know. What do they have to lose? Find out who can play. Like, I feel like they have to understand this is, like, uh, um, not like a tryout, but it is, like, let's see who we're going to build around in the future. This is a young team. Uh, let's see who, if we believe in Pickett, let's have him here. Pickens is going to be here, but it's still younger people, people who have been drafted in the last two or three years. Friermuth, Najee Harris, uh, Claypool. Yeah, and it's, like, we got we to see what works for these guys. They got to start taking shots that they're comfortable with that can run the ball or, or take some shots they feel comfortable with, whether it's throwing the ball downfield or whatever, because this, this is really a, a waste of a year. They're not going to be a playoff team. I know they're still technically alive, just a couple games behind in the division, but I, I would rather just see them develop what they need to do to be successful for the future. I, I, I just feel like if they're not a legitimate contender, what, like, why are you rooting for seven and and ten or whatever? Why are you rooting for the sixteenth pick in the draft? Like, I'd rather have a top ten pick. I'd rather them have Kenny Pickett throw interceptions. Find out what that NFL speed is. Find out if Pickett Pickett or geez Pickens can go up against somebody on one on one. Let's see what guys are made out of, and then go forward next year, which we know. this. I, th- I just feel like this offense is trash. Let's find out what's there, because th- this year ain't it. And find out who can play and who can't. And if you can't play, we have some receivers that guys, other teams are interested in trading for. And if you're picking early enough to get a Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or a, a, the, the kid out of Kentucky, maybe – I don't see an issue in moving off a quarterback after year one if it looks like he can't play. And um, Cardinals did that with very, Josh Rosen, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's a very heavy quarterback draft this year. A lot of good ones. Again, why well, I said they should have waited and have drafted the center that Baltimore got, but it's for another story. I agree. Well, that one, it's not – if Pickett didn't go to Pitt, I think people would be more okay with that. Not that that's a legitimate yeah, reason. Yeah. And I mean, we've seen Tomlin do it before. You took James Conner. 
Um, I mean, Connor played okay in Pittsburgh, but it seemed like it was kind of more of a feel-good pick rather than, like, a smart pick. Yeah. He was, like, a Pro Bowl running back, but, like, he was the Pro Bowl running back because he was the eighth running back that said okay. <laughs> He's, you- he scored a lot of touchdowns, but, yeah, it, like, he, he didn't seem like, you know, a franchise running back. Yeah. Although, I mean, scoring a lot of touchdowns is – basically all you could ask for from a player. So I, w- I would love to have that problem right now. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Just JP, do you want to, do you want to get into your picks? Sure. All right. Let's uh, start at the beginning. Number one. Okay. The Patriots are coming off a lousy week, but I'm going to take them here against the Jets minus one and a half. Um, and that's strictly based off of Belichick's, uh, history of success against the Jets. Um, he's actually won his last 12 versus New York. And Zach Wilson's not really playing well. He's winning football games, but they're not necessarily playing well. Jets are relying heavily on the run game, and Bruce Hall's not done for the season. I think New England bounces back, and uh, their, their, their spread dropped from about three to one and a half after <laughs> the, the Bears shocked him last week. So... I think you can get them at a bargain here. I know they're going on the road. Uh, Mac Jones, they said, will start. And uh, I, I just like them to control the clock and win this football game. Um, the Jets having a new running back in James Robinson. I'm not sure how he works into the mix at the moment. I know Elijah Moore wanted traded. We'll see how that's coming along. I just think um, Belichick versus a young quarterback, young coach. I'm going to take Belichick. Yeah, JP, let me ask you this. What are your thoughts on some of these teams? Like the Jets are 5-2, and two, uh, that other team from New York. Where's the Giants right here? I'm trying to find their record. I know I know, it's pretty dang good, though. They're 6-1. and one. And, and Buffalo, I mean, those three teams from New York, I feel like Buffalo's still ahead by far. But how many of these teams in the NFL right now do you feel like are actual contenders? We're looking. I'm going to read off some of these uh, uh Division leaders right now. NFC West division leader, Seattle Seahawks. Four and yeah, three. That's, that's just shocking. <laughs> like, uh, how many of these teams, okay, three and four Buccaneers, Vikings, and Eagles. Uh, like, these are the teams, like, uh, did the Vikings really scare you? Uh, did the Buccaneers, the Buccaneers have a losing record and they're winning their division. The Eagles are a legitimate team. The Giants six and one. Like I'm looking at what what the playoffs look like right now. Like who? I know the Giants are six and one, but do they scare you? Maybe maybe they're running attack, but Danny Jones doesn't. I think what we're seeing right now, especially in NFC, is a lot of teams that are doing what they do well and executing it well. I think that um, what the Giants, like you said, particularly are using the run game to benefit everything, whether it is through Saquon Barkley or through Daniel Jones, who rushed for over 100 yards last week. Um, I just think, like, the situational football from what they have in Brian Dabba as their head coach, I think he's just executing plays, getting putting them in better positions to win football games. Now, Dallas is third in the division. I think Dallas takes a step up over the Giants when the year's said and done. They got Prescott back, and I think their defense is one of the best in football with three absolute playmakers and Diggs, Parsons, and Lawrence. Uh, Seattle's an interesting one. They're actually fifth in points per game 
and have scored 183 points total so far in the NFL, which ranks in the top three. Um, they're just doing, like I said, they're just doing what Pete Carroll does well, run the football with um, your stud rookie running back and Kenneth Walker, play play defense, and that's what they're doing at a high level. I can't believe the year Geno Smith's ha- having right now. He's outplayed Russell Wilson tenfold so far, and they're getting Denver's draft pick. They're going to get better. Um, Carroll, I don't know if it's from being a college coach or what it is. He seems to be a better coach around younger guys. Like, look what he had of Russell Wilson, the Legion yeah. of Boom, and what he has now. It's just working. I, um, I agree with that. It's Minnesota. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And also, I'm just I'm looking at next-gen stats. It's weird that you said Seattle. Uh, Will Disley, their tight end, he's leading uh, the league in catch percentage. He, he has 19 receptions on 20 targets. Disley's, um, yeah, he's uh, catching the ball at a high level. They also brought in Noah Fant in the Denver trade. So I'm impressed with what Disley's done because I thought Fant would take over the job. But like I said, they're a run-first team that could utilize two tight ends. And then, like, they have some guys that could burn you downfield in uh, DK Metcalf, even though he got hurt. We'll see um, how long and serious that is. Uh, Tyler Lockett, who's a kink punt returner, the transition to receiver. Yeah, they have some playmakers here, and um, but I, I, I'm surprised with how they've been. I think JP Forty Niners with with with, with uh, the Seattle stuff. Like I was just saying, uh, the next gen stats. I was looking further down the list. Will Disley's number one with the catch percentage on. So this is targets or receptions per target. So he's mm-hmm. 19 for 20. Uh, coming in at number 10 and number 11, we have Tyler Lockett at 10 and Noah Fant. At 11, both on Seattle. Now, you do have to take into account some of these people that are on the list only have 20 to 30. Uh, Tyler Lockett's number 10, and he has 53 targets. So he's he's up there. Like, if you're looking at the legitimate wide receivers who get targets, uh, Cooper Cup's number one, and then pretty much Tyler Lockett's number two. Wow. Yeah, that, that's eye-opening. Now, I'm not hey, saying you're um, going to win and lose games based on that, but if catch, catch percentages, that means Geno Smith is throwing these targets and they're getting caught. Yeah, he's throwing a lot of like low-pressure situation throws. and they're I mean, they're putting points on the board, and they're um, maintaining drives, getting first downs. And, uh, yeah, I'm surprised they're atop the NFC West right now. I think uh, San Fran, when it's all said and done, does take the division. I don't really like um, the offensive line of the Rams, and Cardinals are a little iffy to me. We'll, we'll, we'll see if uh, Seattle can maintain it. I like the San Fran to take the division at the end. And um, I, last team, uh, Minnesota, I think what they do well is they transition from Mike Zimmer to Kevin O'Connell. It's not offensive head coach. It supports Kirk Cousins, and they have one of the best, probably a top five player in Justin Jefferson outside of the quarterback position if you really um, – if you include every position, you know, obviously besides quarterbacks, I think Justin Jefferson's, you could argue, top five. And they're just, you know, I, I, I like the Vikings because I see regression in Green Bay. They lost Devontae Adams, and uh, they just haven't been the same offense. Um, and I don't see much from Detroit or Chicago either. But Jake. Minnesota's a team that I think can win a playoff game, maybe two, but I'm not sure about Cousins going deep in the playoffs. JP, uh, Vikings go from Zimmer... Um, to Kevin O'Connell, 
Zimmer, defensive-minded coach. Kevin O'Connell, obviously, uh, ex-quarterback, offensive-minded. Who is the best? Is there even one of the top coaches in the NFL right now who is a defense-first coach? It seems like they're all offense. Yeah, they're the only good defensive head coach right now, Sean McDermott um, with Buffalo. And he, he's, quite frankly, I mean, Pete Carroll's been doing, um, like we said, they're doing better than expected. And there's Tomlin and uh, Robert Solara. Um, but I, I I think that outside of uh, Buffalo and Sean McDermott, you don't really see a defensive coach nowadays that's having success. But you even threw Tomlin in there. I wouldn't say Tomlin's successful, at least as of right now. Uh, I agree. Buffalo, it, Buffalo just, I think Buffalo is the best team in the league right now. I think the second best defensive coach you could argue is Dan Quinn, and he's a coordinator right now. So, yeah. I mean, it just shows it's an offensive league. Well, plus you just said with Buffalo, so you have him. Then you have Leslie Frazier, who's a pretty legitimate defensive mind. Uh, from last year, you see Brian Debo just go to uh, the Giants, who was their offensive coordinator, which shows Sean McVay's not afraid to hire some coordinators who have head coach uh uh, history and uh, who are head coaches now. So obviously you see that that's not an ego thing. Maybe that's what something holding Tomlin back. I don't know. This is just my observation, but it seems like some of these guys, you know, Sean McVay people, you see successful people come from good coaches or go to coach with them. You don't see that in Pittsburgh. No, and even like when they leave, like um, they had uh, what well, Dick LeBeau, I think, went to like Tennessee for a year, and it was just a mess. Um, and uh, Todd Haley went to Cleveland for a year, it was even a bigger mess. Um, so yeah, yeah, we're not seeing those guys come in from Pittsburgh, and I think that you know you you need a good number two, number three to help support your head coach. So best teams in the league have multiple coaches that you know know what they're doing um kansas city eric bianami has been discussed as a potential head coach and uh steve spagnolo is a former head coach and he's their defensive coordinator you see that in buffalo sean mcveigh anyone that sean mcveigh has pretty much gets a head coaching job within a, a year after being with him so yeah i mean you're just seeing a, a great door of coaches in many places, but not necessarily here in Pittsburgh. All right. Let's go to um... number two. All right. Speaking of the NFC and these teams, uh, Giants play Seattle this week. I'm going to take the Giants again because people are writing them off. They're the underdog. They're getting three points at Seattle. Um, Seattle's tough to play on the road, but I'm just going to stick the hot hand here. Um, Seahawks are actually in the bottom five in points allowed per game. So while their offense has put up points, they, they're allowing 26.6 points a game. Giants are actually only sixth in points allowed per game, with 18.6. Eight, that's an eight-point difference, I think. Um, ju- just the way, um, like I said, situationally, the Giants have played, it's a better team. And um, Seattle actually allows the most rushing yards and... Um, they allow the most rushing yards to anyone in the NFL and have surrendered 10 touchdowns. So I think this is a good matchup for um, Daniel Jones if he needs to get involved in the run game and especially for Saquon Barkley. All right. Uh, and also there's the Metcalf injury. So I, I like the Giants with the points. 
I'm I'm surprised to still see Saquon Barkley healthy. That's definitely something we like to see. Another guy who's healthy, who's always thrown into that mix, and not to go on too much of a tangent, but it's a big trade. We just see Christian McCaffrey going to uh, San Francisco. Uh, what are your thoughts on that real quick before we get into uh, your next pick? Uh, I think it's very exciting. Um, Kyle Shanahan and the Niners developed such a unique offense, especially in the run game where you'll see. I mean, we're, we're going to see Christian McCaffrey play running back and receiver. We'll see Debo do the same thing. Kyle Juszczyk's going to be playing fullback, tight end. I think all that they can create a lot of mismatches with him in particularly. So I'm excited to see how it goes. Throw um, George Kittle into the mix. If Trey Lance was healthy too, if Trey Lance was healthy too, they could utilize him in the run game too. So we'll, we'll see how that is in years to come. But uh, I'm excited for McCaffrey and San Fran. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting to see. I'm excited to see what Kyle Shanahan does. It's a good offense for that receiving threat running back. There's multiple places to plug him in as you see with the rest of the 49ers offense, like we were just saying. Number yeah, three! There's so many guys can play so many positions. Oh, sorry, number I thought... Three, yeah, let's get... Let's get. Uh, well, I'll, I'll save number three. While we're talking about San Fran, I, I'm also picking them this week. They're minus a point and a half against the Rams. Um, so, just, just to be blunt about it, Shanahan seems to own McVay. Um, he's seven and four against them in his career, and uh, so just the way this year's been. Um, I can't believe they've actually, played each other that many times. It feels like they've just—I mean, it seems like they've just got hired, kind of. Although I guess they've both been coaching for quite a while now. Although I guess that's only like four years, or what? Seven, uh, like six years, six or seven years. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, and that's fan. Shanahan seems to have gotten the better of McVay, um, and also the Rams this year. Just they're all well. It isn't Cooper Cup directly. They're dead last in the NFL in rushing yards, and they're out. Their left tackle is um, out for the week. Uh, 49ers are second in the NFL in sacks, so it's a great matchup. Uh, and uh, they have a pressure rate of 41%, which is fifth in the NFL. And ironically enough, Stafford's been pressured on 39% of backs, which is fifth in the NFL. This is just a matchup nightmare for the Rams, and I like San Fran to win. All right, there you have it. Let's go to your next pick with number... Number two. Not number two. Number four. There we go, number four. <laughs> um, this is kind of a, a boring game, but it's a divisional matchup. Uh, Tennessee, I picked last week, and they covered. I'm going to take them again to cover. They're minus one and a half against Houston. Um, I wanted to to get on this line um, early because Ryan Tannehill did get banged up, but I think he'll play this week. So get it while the points are low. Um, Houston is second to last in total touchdowns in the NFL. They've only scored 10 this season. And um, they've allowed the fourth most rushing yards um, defensively. So Derrick Henry has a great matchup. It looked for him to get a lot of work coming off a week where he had 30 carries. And Houston's offense runs directly through Damian Pierce, the rookie. But the Titans actually have only allowed the second fewest rushing yards in the NFL. I, I, I think it's a good matchup for Tennessee, bad one for Houston. And just a point and a half spread, uh, I, I'd like Tennessee to pull it out. You know what? We'll, we'll briefly touch on it just because I, I was talking about the NFC contenders. 
We do see Tennessee winning their division, although that's not really saying much, uh, at 4-2. and two. Which one of these AFCs, uh, AFC teams do you actually see as a legitimate contender? We see the Bills at 5-1, and one, although Jets are 5-2. and two. Uh, Ravens 4-3, and three. Bengals are also 4-3. and three. Um, and then we have Titans are winning their division at four and two, and Chiefs at five and two. We were worried about the AFC West looking very good at the beginning of the year. Broncos are kind of an underachiever. Raiders as well. I, I, I'm all in favor of Kansas City and Buffalo. Um, I think Mahomes and Allen are the two best players in the NFL, and uh, they just they score more points than anyone they score in more ways than anyone and uh they just have that knockout punch both quarterbacks can launch the ball 80 yards accurately i, I think that they're the two best teams in football um bills i saw allow the fewest points and score the one of the most points so but, but buffalo you definitely have to um consider them deep for a playoff run and then uh mahomes and kansas city seems to be the team that beats buffalo when they beat in the playoffs so I mean, th- those are definitely the two juggernauts out of the AFC, and I, I like them more than anyone. Um, if I had to give you a third team, I, I think Cincinnati is going to come along over the course of the year, and um, we'll see how they do. Offensive line still an issue, but I think they have more like um, explosive players than anyone else. Uh, do you think I we I think we touched on this in the previous episode, but Allen Mahomes is that the new Brady Manning? Is that the new matchup? outside the division that somehow we see every year that everybody wants to see? I, 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 um, I think so at this point. And I mean, people want to throw like Justin Herbert and guys in there, but here's like Her- Herbert and the chargers just don't win games that they should. And yeah. you don't really see that with Allen and Mahomes. It's, they win the games they need to, and they actually beat the crap out of those teams. And then they, they can beat anyone at any given Sunday in the playoffs. And for two years in a row now, we've gotten great games between those two. And the only thing that held Buffalo back last year could have been just the overtime role. So I think that Allen and Mahomes is going to be, you know, this generation's best matchup, so to speak, in the playoffs. You know what? I'm just uh, – <laughs> this is another thing I'm just realizing looking at this. I'm looking at these standings in front of me, and it has the net points – which I'm assuming is the differential between points for and points against. Would you like to know who would you guess is first in the league and who do you think is last in the league? Point differential <laughs> or net I points. Thought, uh, I, I would have guessed Buffalo then probably last would be uh, maybe Pittsburgh. Those are both correct. <laughs> net points right now so so buffalo is at 95 uh they have 176 points for 81 points against giving them 95 net points ladies and gentlemen your steelers have a uh, 107 points for 162 points against for a negative 55 points uh fitting for uh the great devin bush I also saw that Denver's allowing about 17 points a game, but they're only scoring about 16. Yeah, their their points for is just 100, and I believe that is the lowest in the league right now. At, at least it's the lowest in the AFC. Uh, I'll check the AFC or the NFC real quick. Yeah, the the Broncos have the least amount of points for 
thus far in the in the league, and they've only given up 115 points. So, right, so their their defense isn't giving up a ton of points, but they're definitely not scoring. Their uh, their point differential is only minus 15. So what, 30 better than the Steelers, or 40? Yeah, it's awful. You have a great defense, and the offense just can't put up any points. That's bad, though. I feel like seeing that the Steelers are last in point differential, like, yeah. yeah. They they cannot score points, and they don't do a great job of stopping either. Although, yeah. they kind of do okay as an NFL defense. I feel like if they'd have T.J. Watt in a legitimate offense. Yeah, but that says everything you need to know, and that's exactly why they are where they are. If you don't score points and allow a lot of points, <laughs> you're not going to win a lot. There you go. The more you know, ladies and gentlemen. JP, do you remember what pick we're on? Uh, five. Last okay. One. Number five. I'm not going to watch this game. I don't think anyone's going to watch this <laughs> I can't game. can't wait. But... I said I can't wait. Sorry. <laughs> um, but we're going to take Washington plus three against Indianapolis. Um, for, for me, this is basically Indy to me has just been the least exciting team in the NFL. They've allowed the third most sacks all year and the commanders actually rank in the top 10. And honestly, uh, uh, with the Matt Ryan benching, they're moving to Sam, um, Ellinger from Texas for the rest of the year. It's his first start, um, against a team that can get after the passer. I trust, uh, uh, Heineke to manage this game better than than Ellinger in his first start. Colts third to last in total touchdowns, and they rank third in giveaways. Um, I, I like Washington getting points here. I'm I'm gonna take them. All right then, JP. Is there anything you'd like to uh, end on? Thank you for your picks. Uh, this has been a very productive show. Anything you'd like to wrap up on? Uh, I I I remember when uh the Steelers beat uh, New England Halloween. They were undefeated. Then they beat the Eagles when they were undefeated. I'm. Let's see if we can keep it going and if they can beat an undefeated Philly team this year. Um, that is high pro- hopes here. I think, I, I, think hopes. I think sorry, I think that Steeler team that year, that 2004 or 2005 year, I guess it was 2004, um, when Roethlisberger was a rookie, I think that is my favorite year of football to watch where the Steelers didn't win a, win a Super Bowl. That year was so awesome, going 15-1. and one. I remember beating the Patriots, who seemed unbeatable with his rookie quarterback. And next the next week, I believe the Steelers like beat up on the undefeated Eagles, too. Yeah, and Heinz Ward was like doing the TO celebration in the end zone. Yeah. It was twenty seven to three or something. It was it was a beatdown. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I, I don't I don't think it was even close. And then there were I mean, there were some some really good games. So, there yeah, was some I mean, bad that was rookie Rockberger. Let's see what uh Kenny Peckett can do. Ho- hopefully he can pull off the upset this week. Yeah, I guess I guess we'll find out. Although like I said, if they lose I don't care. I just hope Pickett looks good. And I and I hope it looks like there, there's some potential on this offense where maybe in a different scheme, these pieces could look really good. Um, JP, thank you, as always, for joining the show. Um, ladies and gentlemen, listen to the sports show. Obviously, every Wednesday we have this come out, or Thursday morning, depending on when we get it out. But it's usually Wednesday. 
Um, listen to the regular Poor Man's Podcast uh, or watch it. It's live streamed on Mondays around 6.30 on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, subscribe to the show. You can listen to the regular Poor Man's Podcast as well as the Sports Extra. JP, once again, thank you so much for coming on, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to say I'm so happy yeah. that I was allowed to be part of your day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We hope you had a good time. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the show to catch the latest episodes and share with your friends. We can't promise not to embarrass you. And if you just can't get enough, follow us on Instagram at Poor Man's Podcast 412, Twitter at Poor Man's Pod 412, and Facebook. This is Pittsburgh's own Poor Man's Podcast signing off. See you next week. You like that? You like that? You play to win the game. Straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie.